Hi there, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to Episode 7 of Connection Not Perfection. Welcome to Connection Not Perfection, the podcast that helps parents and teens connect using literature, laughter, and love. Welcome back to Connection Not Perfection. I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so excited that you're here today. So this year, a big trend seems to be taking YA books, young adult books, and putting them on the big screen. Um, Just off the top of my head, I can think of several, like A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle, or Every Day by David Levithan, Ready Player One by Ernest Cline, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, and also The Darkest Minds by Alexandra Bracken. So this week, I'm going to talk about the latest young adult adaptation, Becky Albertalli's Simons versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which is kind of a mouthful, but it was recently made into the movie Love, Simon. I'm going to be talking about the book first and then the movie. So this episode is going to be a little bit longer than it normally is. The first half will be about the book and then the second half will be about the movie. Now, this book about a junior in high school who's hiding a big secret from his family and friends, um, the secret is that he is gay, is a quick and entertaining read. And I have to say, I went into it with zero expectations. And I must admit, it was surprisingly good. And actually, I think I have to back up a little bit. That's not really true. I think I did have some expectations because while I love right now how the publishing world has really been embracing diverse books, sometimes those books have kind of a preachy feel to them, as in there's a definite agenda, you know, that's being promoted. So really, I have to admit that I I kind of braced for the after school special kind of message that I've experienced before in some of these other diverse books that are really promoting um, a particular way of thinking. But that wasn't the case with this book. And I really feel like the author, Becky Albertalli, was able to capture uh, several things. The first is the universality of first love, like, right? Like we've all had that experience of the first time we've fallen in love. Um, also, she was really able to capture the awkward shifts of growing up and really the roller coaster that's the parent-teen relationship. So I found that Simon, the main character, I found that his voice was authentic and the style that was really like a stream of consciousness, I really related to that. And it was very raw and very real. There's lots of kind of rough language in it, but it's it's very typical, I think, of, of what a teen boy, what goes on in their minds. So I thought it was really interesting. So at its heart, this story was a story about change and how hard it is. So at one point, Simon even says, it's like they have this idea of me, and he's talking about his parents. And whenever I step outside of that, it blows their minds. There's something so embarrassing about that in a way I can't even describe. And he also says, I try not to change, but I keep changing in all these tiny ways. I get a girlfriend, I have a beer, and every freaking time I have to reintroduce myself to the universe all over again. Okay, 
who hasn't felt that way as a teen? Maybe, maybe I'm weird or, you know, and I just really relate to that. But I can so remember all the ways that I was changing as a teen and how annoyed I would get at having to share that with my parents, at having to kind of announce it or explain it. You know, you're changing so fast and you don't want to make a big deal out of it. And then on the flip side of that, what parent hasn't made an embarrassingly big deal about some way that your teenager has changed or something that they've accomplished, you know, that's new or different or whatever. Like, I know I'm guilty of that. And truly, I tend to be kind of a cheerleader for my kids. And it is something that annoys them to no end. They get super frustrated and irritated with me when I get excited over something that they consider to be no big deal. So this story was so relevant for me and a good reminder for me to, as my kids say, stay chill in the face of their changes, even if it means sitting on my hands and biting my tongue, which I have been known to do. And this is really ironic to me as I I sat down and I thought about what I was going to share about this book and movie comparison, because It is exactly, as I mentioned before, the way I felt about my parents as a teen. Even though I can remember it clearly and I I can feel exactly how I felt back in those times of my life, it's really hard to stop myself as a parent. And, you know, I especially remember being very careful to not tell my parents anything more than what I had to because sometimes their gushing just grated on my every nerve. And I know that my kids feel the same way about me. And so that right now, that's kind of frustrating to me that I can't stop myself in the moment. So I'm working on that. Now, I do love one of the things that, well, several of the things that the parents said in the book. But one thing that really stuck out with me was something his mom said, which was, I don't want to cramp your style, but maybe you could just humor us and keep us in the loop about stuff where you can. And we'll try not to be weird and obsessed. I thought that was great. So I digress. That was kind of a rabbit trail there. So back to the story. What I loved about this book were the relationships between Simon and his parents and Simon and his friends and Simon and his two sisters in the book and his one sister in the movie and really between Simon and himself and that inner voice that he has. When you throw in the mystery of Simon's secret email pal um, who used the pseudonym Blue and you have a perfect coming of age story. It's complete with a cast of complex characters, a love triangle, lots and lots of misunderstandings, and also a happily ever after. There are so many great conversations to be had around this book. And the ones that I'm gonna be talking about today are bullying, drinking, friendship, identity, sexuality, secrets, and that's not really an issue I know, but I'll explain that in a little bit. I'm gonna be talking about social media and I'm also gonna be talking about teen parent relationships. So in all of those categories, I'm gonna give you a little bit of information about how the book handled it um, so that you have an idea of maybe uh, what you can talk to your teens about as far as the book and the movie are concerned. So first I'm gonna go through the book and then um, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break and talk to you about a couple of things and then I'm gonna hit the movie version of it and, and tell you how they compared. Okay, starting with bullying. In the very, very beginning of the book, we see a character named Martin, and he is blackmailing Simon with some emails that he's found and saved and um, is hanging on to. And so that's kind of the very first in-your-face 
type of bullying, because I would consider that blackmail as an issue of bullying as well. And then in addition to that, which kind of runs throughout the course of the book, um, is the inciting event. There's also a school gossip site that is mentioned quite a bit, and it is definitely a source of bullying within the book. You also have some instances where Simon is pushed around by some jocks in the hallway once it's revealed that he is gay. There are some kids who come into the theater classroom where Simon is practicing a play and make fun of him in a very public way. When he actually uh, performs the play, um, some of the kids have changed the school program, and that's one of the ways that he's bullied. And what I thought was really interesting was one of the things that Simon thinks about or says during the course of the book is that Creekwood, which is the name of his high school, Creekwood's zero tolerance bullying policy is enforced about as strictly as the freaking dress code. And with everything that's going on in today's world, just within the past couple of months, there was the school shooting in Florida, and we've all heard of those horrific incidents and even the smaller incidents that happen. And I say small, and I don't mean small at all, because I know some of those are things like suicides and children harming individuals and things like that. So make no mistake, I'm, I'm not making light of this, but it really made me think because I do know that bullying still goes on. And I wonder how alone my kids are feeling. That's definitely a discussion that I'm going to have with them. And I wonder how alone your kids are feeling in that. Are they thinking things like the, the people who are supposed to be in charge, the adults are ineffective? I actually just read an article that one of the girls from Parkland, a senior in high school who survived the shootings recently wrote. I'll include that a link to that article in the show notes because I thought it was really interesting. So I just wonder how alone they feel and how much of kind of the onus of taking care of these bullying instances fall on them versus being taken care of by the people, the adults in charge. So that's a really interesting discussion that I'm hoping to have with my kids. I'll get back to you on that. Now, also with bullying, I did think that as the book continued on, it was really great what his theater teacher's response was. She was fiercely protective of him, which I thought was fantastic. I I do wonder how realistic that is, and I, I'm hoping it's very realistic. I, I know that there are those teachers out there who are advocates for their students and who really will take a stand, and I love that. I love teachers. And then I also loved how his friends came around him and stood up for him and protected him um, as these incidents were going on where he was being bullied. So a lot of great discussion opportunities there. Okay, next I'm going to cover the topic of drinking because there is definitely drinking in the book. And in fact, if you refer back to that quote, I said kind of towards the beginning of the program where he's talking about, you know, I change it every day. I have a beer or whatever. Um, he definitely has his first beer during the course of the book. He also goes out with his two friends, Nick and Abby, into Atlanta where they partied together. And he actually ended up drinking quite a bit and getting drunk and hanging out with, with some college students, which I'm going to kind of digress a little bit here again and and say I did think that this was a very unrealistic part of the book because as he got drunk he was uh, being plied with drinks by a junior in college a 20 to 21 year old boy and they're in a gay bar and 
this guy is really coming on to him. But when he realizes that Simon is only 17, he takes him back to his friends and tells him, you just go and be 17, which is really nice. But I think it's super unrealistic for a college junior, a 20 to 21 year old guy to really have that kind of maturity, even when he's not drunk, much less when he's been taking shot after shot after shot. So I did, that is something that I will definitely talk to my teens about that that kind of response is not typical and that that could have turned into something much scarier than um, just him being delivered nicely and neatly with a touch of wisdom back to his friends. So anyway, uh, again, good conversation points. Now with his friends, I thought that Becky Albertalli did a really great job of showing the dynamics of Simon with um, with his two best friends that he's known since elementary and middle school, um, Nick and Leah. And then also the new friends that they've added to their group, like Abby, who is someone who's just moved into town from Washington, D.C. And Throughout the book, as Simon thinks about how his friends don't really know him, he also has the epiphany that he hasn't ever really taken the time to get to know them. And while it's easier for him to share his kind of new self, the part of him, the parts of him that have changed with Blue, who he is communicating with anonymously online, and then with Abby, it is easier. He figures out it is easier to talk to them because they haven't been with him forever. And I thought that it was very interesting that at one point he talks about not wanting to share the changes that um, he's been experiencing with his oldest friends, Nick and Leah, because um, he says something to the effect of if if they look at him and they don't know who he is, then how is he going to know who he is? Because he sees himself through their lenses, through their eyes. Like that's part of how he knows his identity is because of how his friend sees him, which I think is very authentic to teens today. So I thought that was really interesting. I also thought it was very authentic that as Simon really worked to help connect Martin because of his blackmailing threats with his friend Abby, he didn't really make the connection that that might be hurting Abby in any way until she figures it out and kind of confronts him with that. And I thought that was really realistic as well, because even as adults, I think we do that, that we don't think something all the way through and and really figure out the impact that it might have on everyone around us, not just ourselves. So I, I thought that was a really great point to be made that as Simon was making his decisions on how he was going to handle the blackmail and the bullying and all those things, he really didn't take everyone into account. So I thought that was great. So now I'm going to move on to identity. And I really think this is the biggest theme of the story, which is figuring out who you are and being brave enough to be that person. And it really wasn't just about Simon. There were several situations in the book, like um, his friend Leah's situation with her dad and um, Leah and his sister Nora's being in a secret band. So they were in a band secretly and hadn't shared that with anyone. His older sister Alice had a boyfriend that she was keeping a secret. And then even there was a girl who was kind of a twit, I would say. Her name was Taylor, and she was kind of the mean girl in the story, the really obnoxious one. And she's one of the kids who stands up for Simon when he's bullied during theater class. So 
really this idea of identity and how we're changing and how we roll that out or keep it a secret and that kind of thing is really great. Simon, as far as he's concerned with his identity, he really is struggling with not wanting things to change with his family and friends because he knows his parents are going to make a huge deal out of it and he really doesn't know how his friends are going to respond. So that is really the theme and the idea that's the basis for the whole book, which I thought was great. So as far as sexuality is concerned with that issue, I would say Simon is a very stereotypical boy. He's very distracted thinking about the boy he's been emailing with, about the things that go along with having a relationship, like affection and kissing, et cetera, and also sex. Like he definitely thinks a lot about sex and that. And while it's not super graphic, it is definitely more detailed than um, than just you know, something with no sex in it, I guess is the best way to put it. Now, as far as his sexuality is concerned, he knows that he is not going to be rejected by his family and friends. He knows it's going to be okay with them. He's just not ready for the changes that he predicts are going to happen once he's out. There are also parts where some of the parents within the story talk about safe sex. So it it is definitely a topic that's covered in the book. And then the next one, secrets, I don't know that I would classify it as a quote unquote hot topic issue, but I did want to highlight it because I don't know that I would have categorized it as an issue before this book. But I saw it as an issue as I was reading the book because it was really interesting how the secrets that Simon and everybody else in the story held onto created such drama and such hurt. And I really feel like it's a good place to talk about how secrets can really build trust or break it. And and also how some secrets get bigger and bigger than the teens are until they're faced. And who am I kidding? Secrets, even with adults, just seem to get larger and larger and larger until you face them and, and share them. And that's another interesting um, kind of question that I think was even taken further in the movie. I'll talk about that in a little in a little bit. But at what point does a secret become a lie? I thought that was a really good question to think about and talk about with my teens. Okay. Um, the next issue would be social media. And I would say the d- internet is definitely a tool for bullying in the book. Um, Really, it's the school's gossip site that's the source of the bullying and the scandal and the shaming that goes on. And I would say there's not a whole lot of, well, I take that, I was going to say there's not a whole lot of other social media, but I take that back. There actually is, in fact, one of the things that uh, Simon and his family do together, which I thought was hilarious, is they, they are doing like a Facebook scavenger hunt. And I thought that that was really funny. You'll have to look at that. I I enjoyed it because my family enjoys games a lot, and I would have never thought to do a game quite like that. Anyway, I thought it would, that was just an interesting aside. Okay, and then the last issue, which is teen and parent relationships. I really liked the way in the book, Simon really had glimmers of seeing his parents as people in their own rights. Um, I I think that that's definitely uh, something that's developmentally right on target with where Simon is, is, is really seeing his parents outside himself, outside of just being mom and dad and really just being themselves. There were also really, really great discussions between Simon and his parents throughout the book. 
especially like when he comes out to them at first. And even when he comes home and he's drunk and they um, really come down on him and ground him pretty hardcore. And, and he lashes back at them with kind of these feelings that he's had towards his dad, who throughout the book has kind of, um, before he realizes that Simon is gay, has just made some off-the-cuff jokes about homosexuals that that I think even Simon didn't realize how that, that, how that had affected him. And then after that drunken episode, basically, his parents come back to him and have a really great heart-to-heart where, they, uh, where the dad apologizes. And it's just really great reconciliation. And one of the things that I've really been talking about with both of my teens is how everybody is going to make a mistake or mistakes in how they treat one another. And it's not about not making those mistakes. It's about how you come back together, how you reconcile, how you make things right after you have done or said something that has hurt the people around you or a person around you. So I thought they did a really good job in the book of having the parents come back and reconcile and apologize and and really try to connect with Simon. I thought that was great. It's also really interesting how Simon's friend Blue comes out to his parents. And and then also, as far as teen-parent relationships are concerned, Blue's parents are divorced. And one of the things that he uh, shares with Simon is that his dad tells him that he is having a new baby with his stepmom. So Blue, who's been an only child his whole life, is now at 16 about to have a brand new sibling and kind of all the emotions and feelings that go along with that. So that was really interesting. So that's the book. And those are the biggest kind of hot topic issues that I wanted to cover there. And now what I'd like to do is talk about the movie. And just remember that one of my core values, and I I said this on the episode that I did about A Wrinkle in Time and kind of the book movie comparison that I did with that. One of my core values is that the book is always, always, always better. So I'm just saying that that is my core value and that's the uh, direction that I'm coming from when I look at movies and books and, and that kind of thing. So Again, I will say, though, that with Love, Simon, I did enjoy that movie version of it. It definitely streamlined the story from the book, and it took liberties with the original plot line and the characters for sure. But really, the backbone of the story was still there. Now, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you'd like to, I'd encourage you to stop listening and come back after you've seen it. I definitely will be uh, sharing some things. I'm not going to give away the big spoiler, which uh, in the book and the movie is who is blue. Like he's trying to figure out that out throughout the, the whole book and the whole movie. Uh, but there might be some little things that you would prefer to not know until after you've you've watched the movie. So if that is the case and you want to wait, um, I would encourage you to do that. And I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds to go ahead and turn off the podcast so that you can come back to it later after you've watched the movie. Okay, now here are some of the bigger ways that Love, Simon is different from Simon versus the Homo sapien agenda. Number one, Simon in the book has two sisters, but in the movie, 
he only has one sister and she's younger, much younger than his sister Nora was in the book. Nora in the book is a freshman in high school. Nora in the movie, um, I would put her maybe at upper elementary or lower middle school. And for some reason in the movie, they give her um, this passion for cooking. So she's always like watching cooking shows and trying out new recipes and things like that. So that's definitely different. Um, in the movie, Simon is a senior in high school rather than a junior. And and I would say Martin in the movie version seemed to me to be much more kind of annoying and slimy versus nerdy and inept the way he was in the book. So annoying, slimy versus nerdy and inept. And a big difference that I saw was that in the movie, Simon is so much more manip manipulative with his friends in order to avoid um, the consequences of not following along with Martin's blackmail. He just creates this whole mess with his friends because his friend Nick really likes Abby and he very deliberately points Nick away from Abby and lies to him about how Abby is seeing someone else and that kind of thing. He also um, betrays his friend Leah um, in in that he he makes public that she has a crush on Nick. Actually, he thinks she has a crush on Nick, which in the book she did. She had a, a very big crush on Nick. But in the movie, the big difference is that her crush is actually on Simon. And that may be a little bit confusing, but hopefully you've watched the movie and read the book and you know what I'm talking about. In the movie, there is a cross dressing gay character named Ethan, um, who has a fairly good sized role. And, and I see what they were doing with it. They were really able to use that character to um, communicate a lot of different ideas and beliefs within the story in that way, if that makes sense. So there's Ethan. And in the movie, Martin actually gets really angry because he is humiliated in a very public way when Abby rejects him because she doesn't really like him. And when that happens, Martin actually takes the emails that Simon and Blue have been writing back and forth and posts them on the school gossip site. Whereas in the book, it was it was much different. He actually Martin gets on the school website and posts as if he were Simon. So that's just a little minor um, detail that they've switched there. One of the things I did not like about the movie that I, that I appreciated in the book is that Simon is totally alienated from all of his friends once they kind of discover what's been happening and how he's been manipulating them. And in the book, that's not the case. Well, number one, he hasn't manipulated them in the ways that he has in the movie, but also they're very loyal to him and they try to talk things out and it's a much more open and uh, back and forth connected relationship, I would say. But I do understand that because it is a movie, the drama is really um, kind of jacked up to a very high degree, which makes sense because it's a movie and that's what they have to do to kind of tap into their audience, I would say. In the movie version, there is a lot less cussing, I would say. In the book, it's very frequent. And I know to get ratings that with movies, they can only have X number of, you know, the F word or whatever. Anyway, um, again, so there's a lot less of that in the movie than in the book version. And then I would also say that in the movie version, there's a lot 
there are a lot fewer sexual overtones. That's a lot more present in the book than in the movie. And I did go see the movie with my daughter, my 14-year-old daughter, and she had not actually read the book. And so I was talking to her about her thoughts on it, and her opinion was that it was almost too perfect. Uh, And what I think she meant from kind of going further in that conversation, it was very formulaic. The, The movie was much more formulaic than I found the book to be. So those are the big, um, big differences. Now, one thing that stayed the same, and I actually think it was kind of improved even was his very supportive theater teacher in the movie I found her to be hilarious some of the things that she said and the ways that she responded to students and the way she handled situations um, I just thought was really funny so so there's that now the way that the issues that I touched on for the book line up in the movie I'm just kind of gonna I'm going to kind of go through those one by one and I will start with bullying and in the movie we see several times where the kids at school are bullying Ethan who I mentioned a minute ago he's the cross-dressing student and again I think they used him as a device to be able to communicate that bullying was present towards the gay population of the high school in addition to that, two students hop up on a table in the cafeteria and they publicly make fun of Simon and Ethan once Simon is outed on the school gossip blog. Um, The other thing I found really interesting is that the principal, who is this goofy character in the movie, is very clueless. And I would say he almost contributes to the bullying flavor uh, of the whole situation when the kids are, the two boys are up on the cafeteria table and publicly making fun of Simon and Ethan. Like, it's just a really weird dynamic there that really portrays him as ineffective and kind of powerless in the situation. But again, the theater teacher balances that out and was just amazing. In the movie, there is a party scene where Simon gets very drunk. He's able to get home with his friend Leah's help. And as he walks in, his parents can definitely tell that he is drunk. And the dad leans over and asks the mom, like, he's drunk, right? And she's like, yes, he is. And and the dad says, how do we feel about that? And the mom's response was, well, he's home by curfew and he didn't drive. So meh. So I think that that was a really interesting response. Maybe that's typical in some families. I would say certainly for my family and most of the people that I've, I've talked to about that who have teens, kind of my parenting peers, I would say. That is not how we would handle that situation. So I thought that was a little bit unrealistic, especially for a movie that's targeting teens to see that example of how parents respond. Um, I could say that my teen holding that response up to something that uh, to to my response, what my response would be in that situation might be. I don't think it would be confusing because our kids know us. Right. But that's just not a realistic take on, I, I believe, on how parents would handle things now with. Simon's friends and his friendships. Um, Again, I go back to the fact that in the movie, Simon is extremely manipulative in order to avoid being outed by Martin. And he, he does all this basically contortion of lies to to try to avoid um, having to come out to the world. And he lies quite a bit. And as a result of that, he is totally isolated from his friends once 
they figure out what he's done. And not just from his friends, but I would say too, Blue in the book never stops emailing with with Simon. I think that's right. It's been a little bit since I've read it. But he never cuts off communicating with Simon as a result of the the school gossip blog or anything that Martin has put out there. Like he may have taken a break other than that. I'm I'm kind of remembering that. I could have that wrong. Anyway, regardless, Blue and the movie completely cuts him off um, once Simon is outed and once those emails get out there. Now, as far as identity is concerned, here too, it is mostly about changing and being seen in a different way. I think one of the reasons that they bumped Simon's age up to being a senior rather than a junior is that there's this one singing montage, which I thought was a little bit silly, but it was this whole idea that he was going to wait. One of his options was to wait until he got to college to come out because then it would be easier. He wouldn't have to explain to as many people. It wouldn't be quite it wouldn't make him quite as vulnerable as he knew he would be if he came out while he was still in high school. So I thought that was interesting. And one of the things I thought was really interesting as far as identity was concerned is that within the movie, at one point, Simon expresses that he hasn't shared that he was gay earlier because he thought that it might change. And that's why he hadn't come out yet. So I thought that was interesting. Now, as far as sexuality is concerned, There really wasn't as much of it within the movie as there was in the book. There's a kissing scene at the end of the movie between Simon and who he finally finds out is Blue. And then there is a couple who you see making out during theater class that you also see later again during the party scene that's making out. But other than that, there's nothing very overtly sexual in it. And then moving on to secrets. Again, this was an issue because... Like I said before, there's the question of when does a secret become a lie? And the biggest secrets here, again, are that he's gay and that Martin is blackmailing him and that he is secretly communicating anonymously with Blue. So those are the the secrets are the same pretty much within the movie as they are in the book, other than, of course, the, the manipulative lies that Simon has told. As far as social media is concerned, I think in the movie, they referenced the school gossip site just as a blog, whereas in the book, I think it was very specific that it was a Tumblr site. So I think that was the main difference there. And then with teen parent relationships, in the movie, the dad is constantly joking with Simon about girls. And I would definitely say that any gay jokes are soft pedaled if there are any at all, which is to be expected. I, th- I think that that's, I, w- I would say not, yeah, I wouldn't have expected otherwise. And his parents are very, very supportive. And one of the conversations that Simon has with his mom that I just thought was very poignant was one when he asks his mom if she knew or suspected that he was gay. And she very honestly tells him like, I knew you had a secret. It's almost like I could feel you holding your breath. And then she also says, now you get to be more you than you've been in a long time. I just thought it was a really beautiful moment between the two of them and very vulnerable of her to say, no, I didn't know. And how often have we felt that? Like we know we have that instinct, like something is off, but we don't know exactly what it is. So I thought that was really great and um, something that would be great to talk to your teen about. 
Now, on the whole, I would say both the book and the movie are full of great opportunities for discussion. Just the issues are packaged just a little bit differently between the two. And I would recommend either one of them, especially if you are looking for something to help you talk to your teen about changing and how you communicate that between the two of you and how they share with you versus how you react when they share and all those kinds of good conversations. I would definitely highly recommend them for that. And along those lines, I do have a few questions that you can use to talk to your teen about the book that are specific to Simon versus the Homo sapien. So I'm going to run through those right now. Number one, the bullying policy at Simon's school seemed to be a joke. He compared its enforcement to the dress code enforcement. How about at your school? What policies are enforced? Which ones are kind of a joke? Number two, in the book, Simon is grounded for coming home drunk. In the movie, his parents are just glad that he didn't drive and that he was home by curfew. They had a meh kind of attitude about it. Which attitude do you think is more realistic? Which do you think is the most fair? And if you were his parent, how would you have handled the situation? Number three, it's easier for Simon to tell his new friend Abby his secret than it is for him to tell his family and oldest friends. When have you ever had the experience of things being easier with new friends? What made it more comfortable? What things are hard with your older friends? Number four, Simon is changing a lot, but it's hard for him to communicate those changes to the people he loves most. His parents get too excited and his friends might not understand. When have you had difficulty sharing your changes with the people around you? What changes have you kept secret because you don't want to deal with the after effects? Number five, in the movie, Simon expresses that one of the reasons he doesn't share that he's gay is because he thought it might change later on. Do you think sexuality is something that changes as you get older or is it something that's permanent and fixed? At school and in your friend group, how is sexuality handled as something fluid or something fixed? Number six, in both the book and the movie, Simon's secret blow up in his face when they end up online. When has one of your secrets hurt the people around you? How are you able to make it right? Where's the line between when secrets become lies? How can you tell the difference? Number seven, the school gossip blog was a big part of the book and the movie. It's where Simon met Blue and where his secrets were revealed. How has social media affected things at school for you or for your friends? And number eight, Simon knows his parents will be okay with him being gay, but he still struggles to tell them about it. What is the hardest part about sharing things with us? What's the ideal or dream way we could respond to you when you share things with us? So I hope those are questions that help you connect with your teen on a deeper level and that you can use them to have some really, really great discussions. And I really, really love that you hung out with me today. Thank you for being here with me. If you'd like more resources, you can click on the free resources link straight from iTunes in my show notes, or you can visit my website at theishgirl.com. That's T-H-E-I-S-H-G-I-R-L. Com, and you can click the free resources button that's there on the front page. And I encourage you to sign up for those so that I can send you the password to my resource library where you'll find 
great downloadables for for this book movie comparison and for several others. And also, um, I have a great resource of questions that you can use to talk about any book with your teen. So I hope that you'll stop by so that you can add those freebies to your parenting toolkit. And until next time, from an ish girl who loves to read more than she loves to eat, and that's saying a lot, it's all about connection, not perfection.